What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richard Geek Podcast. We have Charles Carrillo. He's the founder and managing partner of Harborside Partners. He's been actively involved in over 200 million dollars worth of real estate transactions since 2006. That is a lot of stuff in under 20 years. He's uh, He carries extensive knowledge in renovating, repositioning, mainly multifamily, but some commercial real estate. And uh, he also invests in ATMs, early stage tech. And we'll get into some of that. Uh, but we'll talk about mainly some uh, uh, asset classes that he's doing. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on. So, you know, let's start with your background. Um, any any prior careers? What You know, when did you get started? And uh, what made you get this real estate bug that so many of us have? Yeah, so I grew up in a real estate investing family. My dad had been a multifamily investor starting with a six unit in 1984. And uh, so I grew up and they were... He got hit, him and a partner built it to about a hundred units, and most of them were in the D or C minus to be nice type of uh, <laughs> uh, class properties. So not ideal of what you want to be investing in, and a very tough, um, a very tough tenant class, a very tough areas. And um, he he started selling them off, I think, in the late nineties and early two thousands. But um, at one point, he did get to about a hundred units. Him and a partner, no syndications, and. Um, yeah, they manage it, cash flowing and everything from um, you know small apartment complexes with like six units or something to eighteen unit apartment buildings, stuff like that. Some mixed uses in there, um, so kind of whole feel, uh, kind of a whole whole range of stuff there. So that was a very interesting uh, second education growing up and spending time in the weekends and during the weeks with him talking to contractors, collecting rent when uh, supers didn't collect it, and all the type of fun things that go when you're uh, you know self managing but you still have a team but you're kind of more you know what I mean. It's a mix. You don't all you just push it off on the third party manager. Um, and then when I, gra- I graduated college in 06 and uh, I was running a um, small uh, my, my partner, my brother runs it right now is a we had a payment processing business and I purchased my first property, which was a three family. We call it now house hacking. But back then it was, you know, renting out one unit. This was a three unit. So I rented out two units. I lived in one of them. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, I bought another one about a block away. Didn't house hack it. I purchased it normally. And um, that one was a full rental. And then in that was at the end of 08. And then at the end of 09, I purchased my first commercial property, which was a mixed-use property, which had an office on the first floor. And then it had four uh, apartments above it. And that was a in the, you know, the depth of the Great Recession. No financing available. Had to do everything by cash. 
no refinancing. It was a very interesting time out there. Great deals, but everything goes with it. Everybody talks about the deals. They don't talk about how hard it was to finance the deals. Um, and so did that and uh, then bought some other properties. I kind of started everything. And um, I sold a whole portfolio of properties because I'm originally from Connecticut. Those were all in Connecticut. I moved to Florida in 2012. I put those all under a professional third-party management, which I had been self-managing from 06 to 2012. And then uh, since being in Florida, we've gotten involved with larger properties, syndications uh, we got involved with in 2018. And um, I sold that whole small portfolio to a uh, to one investor out of New York in 2022. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, for <laughs> for your, I'm not going to say for, for your age because that, that ages me. Uh, <laughs> but so a couple of things that you talked about. Um, talk about house hacking, what that is. Some of our uh, audience may not know what that is and how yeah, powerful how- it is. Yeah, it's a great, it's not spoken that much. And um, it's, a, it's a great way, especially if you're younger and you're just just starting out um, and uh, you're, you're, you know, you're single and uh, it's it's easy to do where you're purchasing a property, the, you know, and you're utilizing your FHA. Uh, if you went to the military, you might have a VA, you can utilize that as well. But if you just say you didn't and you have FHA, that means you can get this uh, fantastic, I think it's like three and a half percent down or something like this on a one to four unit property. Uh, Try to get as many units as possible. If you can get three, if you can get four, fantastic. Threes are usually easier to come by. Twos are good, but you're going to be coming out of your pocket for more things in most situations. Um, So you you know these are these properties since they have to abide by the guidelines for FHA, they can't be, you know, these aren't like major rehabs, right? They have to be like, you know, livable, appliances in there. You're, you're not going to get like, you know, probably fantastic deals on these properties, but that's fine. It's your first property. Find something that really is uh, needs minimal work so you don't get over your head. And um, if it's not rented out, uh, rent them out. You stay in one of the units. Um, uh, if you could choose, probably go to the third floor, whatever it is, the mo- the smallest unit. Um, and then that way, the majority of your mortgage payment can get covered. I think when I was living in one of my properties, I think... Um, I rented out two of the floors and I rented out the second bedroom in my place. And I think my cost was like 40 bucks a month, right? To 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 do it. And then I would throw in like a few hundred dollars more into the property account, keep that reserve kind of going uh in case anything went wrong. But yeah, you can live for, you know, you can live for a fraction of what it costs. And uh usually what you're paying into it's actually equity. So it's kind of in some sense, you're moving it to, you know, you're moving your checking your money from a checking account to a savings account. So it's um but also you get started with working with renters on a small scale. And it's not like, oh, I'm buying a property half hour away. And I finished my W-2, then I got to go over there. This is people are living close to you, but there's a, there's a, you know, there's pros to it. Cause if you're working at home, um, you know, you op- go downstairs, you open up a door for a handyman, you know what I mean? Like this, if there's an issue, you're not driving across town, you go see it. Yes, that's a problem. Let me call someone. And uh, it's easier to kind of dip your toe in to the realm of multifamily investing when you're quote unquote on site. Yeah, and it's such a great deal. And you, you hit the nail on the head, even though it doesn't have to be younger people. Uh, but especially when you're getting started, it's like, man, I want to invest in real estate, but I can't afford it. Well, that's an excuse, right? Yeah. It's like there are so many things, and that's why we love having these podcasts. Is you realize that there's a lot of things like the house hacking or even just having roommates if it's a single family house. It's getting something. It's buying an asset and then turning it into a cash on cash or some type of a cash flowing asset instead of just you paying out. Um, You talked about, 
you know, self-managing versus having someone do it. And uh, I want to get back to, you know, it's what I'm envious that you grew up in the real estate industry, you know, with, with your dad. Um, no one taught me, you know, I, I grew up in, it's called the PG, the pre Google days where I, I couldn't <laughs> ask anyone <laughs> for help. Um, what did you learn about helping your, your family? What was some of the things you really took out to help you in your later life, later life when you owned the, your own assets? I think uh, my dad really instilled on me to buy better properties in better areas. And that was a huge thing. And my dad started doing it at the end of it. And the properties he owns now are definitely in better areas. But it's it's just, it's something. It's something with uh, new investors. And they just, they get these brokers, uh, get them all enticed in these huge returns that they see cash on cash. And they don't look at the management. I remember selling my dad, sending my dad a property, and he goes, "You know, this is going to require daily management. This is going to require this. They're going to require that." And you know, it's it's true. I mean, they're just very intensive, and you can't just when you have a property that's not in a great area, you can't just call a management company and be like, "Hey, you know, take over this property here and there." They're going to be like, "No, we're not, we're not <laughs> touching that." Or they do it, and they're going to say, they'll, they'll, some people will take it, and you'll definitely find people to manage it." But then it's going to be like. Hey, um, these people didn't pay rent on the first. They said they needed to the fifth. So we already started evictions. You'll never make, you know, you can't make money because every, when you're dealing with, um, you know, C and especially D class, every month is a, for the most part, you're getting people paying on time, but you have a large percentage of people that it's a negotiation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Every month you're working deals. Uh, you're making the difference between late payments and you being pretty much a somehow landlord slash payday lender, uh, giving people breaks and, that's how you make money though in it. It's you know, it's not something if you want something where a check comes in on the first or a transfer comes in on the first, uh, you got to buy B, you got to buy A class properties. So if people want to do it, if you if you really want to, you know, get into that brain damage of doing that, then by all means, but um you'll probably be selling it very shortly after or probably at a loss like I think most new investors when getting involved that. So buying better properties is a big thing. Um my dad was very good at dealing with people. And it was um, when we collected rent to some of the apartments that didn't pay, it was really, uh, you know, it was door to door. And it wasn't like you're getting, you know, he would go in, he had the old um, carbon copy book and he would sit at the kitchen table with a plastic cover on it. I'd stand behind him and he wrote out checks. He talked to the people, wrote out receipts as he counted cash um, or they signed over a check to him or whatever it was, you know, like a paycheck or whatever. And, um, you know, that's how I did it door to door and take five minutes each place. It was different from, I never did that when I, when I collected it and people paid cash would just be at the door. You give me a receipt while you're standing there and you're gone. You know what I mean? He was a much more personable landlord and everyone knew him. And, uh, I think he treated people very fairly. And that was one thing I really learned about it. And that's exactly how you have to, how you make money in those properties is, um, I mean, it's, you're just, that's how it is. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's a very tough business. Yeah. It is, especially you know, in everyone, you have basically the four classes of multifamily, A to D. A's are usually your institutional buyers, because um, a lot of us can't afford it. Your your B's are a little bit more. Most of the investors that you'll talk to are in the C, you know, B minus the C's. Uh, we call those like the blue collar apartment complexes, right? They usually pay on time. They're the, your plumbers, your teachers, your tradesmen, and and they don't want to move. They can't afford to move. But then the D is the don't touch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I had a D, and it was like oh oh my god. It's like no wonder I got it for 
self-financing, you know, seller financing. <laughs> Cause the guy was like, going take it away from me. Um, yeah. but it was, yeah. It, yeah, it, you build character and hopefully you don't, <laughs> you don't hate people by the end of, by the time you sell it. Yeah. You lose all hope and humanity. But, uh, yeah. that, that, my dad took over a lot of his properties in the eighties that way. And they would sign it over to him and stuff like that. And you, my dad didn't know better uh, what was going on, but, um, yeah, yeah, for yeah, it's a very interesting stay away from it kind of asset class. And there are people that make money in it, but it's a, you know, you have to they run it like a slumlord in some senses of what you'd consider one would be, you know what I mean? Because there's not enough money to hey, I can't renovate this bathroom to the standards that you know what I mean. I don't I have five thousand yeah. dollars to renovate. So I have to piecemeal this with a few hundred dollars every time someone moves out. That's just what it is. Yeah. And in in that type of class, yeah, they're they're just expecting things to work. They don't yeah. want granite. They don't need fancy stuff. They don't need tile. They they're just looking to stay off the streets and, and place to make their meth. And, and you know, <laughs> like, I'm I'm kidding on that part. But you know, it's uh, I I've had it. Um, you know, units catching on fire because they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be. They're doing it. Just it's un- yeah. unbelievable. Um, so do you self manage now? I'm I'm sure you don't. And and why not? You know, what are the pros and cons of self-managing or having someone else manage it. Yeah. So what I didn't learn earlier on, there's there's differences. And my, my dad had learned this and I didn't learn this was that you can self-manage and not do everything else. You do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And I never really knew that being a younger guy in his twenties and I was doing everything. Not really like a lot of the repairs. I had a handyman that did it. And, but you know, when I get in depth repairs, but you know, your normal stuff, uh, landscaping, faucets, changes, stuff like this and prepping for a new apprentice and it was terrible. So you can self-manage and still have people you're bringing in there to do stuff. And I did that at the end of my self-managing. People doing my lawn, people doing snow, people taking care of this. I had a list of stuff for handymen. They'd come in on like a Friday or whatever. They'd knock out this list. You know, every other Friday, I'd have something for them. And you pay them cash or whatever, and they're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that's how I realized it. And, you know, now what I do is we're usually using, um, with the operating partners we work with, um, uh, two of them have used third-party management, which is mainly what we use, and one of them has in-house. And whatever works for you, it's um, you know, I, I see a lot of people that push toward having their own management company, and I understand the pros and cons for it. There's a little bit more control, but um, with some of the operators that we partner with and we work with, um, if they have a management company that has you know seven or eight of their units, you know, fifteen hundred units, right, of theirs that are managing. Uh, it's pretty, you know, you have a very strong relationship there. So the third party management takes a lot, pretty much everything off your desk, right? Off your plate in the sense of like, you're, you might be taking a call here when there's a larger issue mm-hmm. um, and you're taking on the asset management. So you're probably not going to have that property manager uh, put in a $1,200 uh, water heater, right? Without calling you or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to call you and be like, hey, this thing's leaking, you know, I'm, you know, we should get this done, whatever. Good property manager that you have a relationship with, we'll just fix that and tell you. Um, but you're going to have these things where, hey, the roof, you got to take care of this. Uh, when you are being your own property manager, you're pretty much usually in the middle of it and passing calls and messages back and forth. Um, hey, there's something wrong here. Now, as soon as I hang up, I call this person, then I have to call you know, tenant back, then I call this, then I call that, they're outside, let them, you know, the whole nine yards of how it works. When you get good handymen, you work with them, that's when you're giving them keys. Uh, that's when, hey, call this person directly and then they let you know, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's how you really want to get it. It's just difficult to do that when you're working with like three or 15 units or whatever it is. Yeah. When you start getting to like 40, 50, 60 units, um, 
you know, 30 at least, I mean, that's when you can bring on someone full-time and, you know, 30 units, you bring someone on full-time, they're doing everything. They're doing your make readies, right? They're prepping the units for the next tenants. Um, they're, you're going to give them, Hey, this is what you're getting paid every week. If you come out afterwards, I'll pay you this much per hour. Right. So it's, you know, everybody, they are taking care of for, uh, inconvenience them, their own personal life. And once you have that relationship with them, now everything goes to them. And that takes off the majority of the headaches because today, Rent collection, all these things can be all done for the most part online. If you're working, I mean, C class, B class, A class tenants, they can pay. They have, you know, they have email addresses, they have computers, they have internet. You know, they can pay these things. It's not, um, they don't need to come to your office in cash and stuff like that, like back in the day or money orders. So you can set up a lot of that as systems that work with it. But the main thing when dealing with the multifamily is getting the handyman. And this is if you have a property manager or not. Because of the property manager, they have the property manager. They're going to ask you, do you have a preferred list of you know vendors? And you're like, yes, please call this person first if the heat goes out or anything like that. Because I mean, you know, this person's one third what you know what yeah. they're going to call. Right. And so when you do that, that's what really saves is those relationships with the contractors and mainly with the handyman. Having handyman that can do most things. Um, so when you're only calling someone when there's like a major issue, hey, we got to run like this new electrical line because their circuits are popping or something like this. Okay, you have to call the electrician, bring them out their license. But hey, they're just changing over some switches or some lights, fixtures, whatever it is. Okay, that's all handyman. That's a whole different pricing, you know, 75% less expensive. It is. And, and, you know, I utilize some people that actually lived in my complexes. Like, you know, you have a handyman experience. I'll give you X amount per month off your rent to do this and do that. So, but it's it's really hard to scale, isn't it? If you're always working in your business instead of on it. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ways that, you know, all of a sudden you're able to make that leap and say, okay, now I can actually scale. Um, at what point did you think that you were able to sit there and say, was it when you went to a third party property management group or was it when you found investors? What what was that one point that you were able to scale? Yeah, I'd say those are two great points. I would say when the year into getting management, my first the first full year through, well, that's when I was like, okay, now this is like how the wealth is made, right? Because mm -hmm. we're all everybody knows the money's not made in property management, right? But somehow we always want to make as much money, and that's how we think we're going to do it. And it's like buying poor properties up front. And the thing that was that um, that was the first thing is the management and seeing exactly how much was taken off my plate and how much freedom I had to do other things. And I was just really taking care of high level calls and text messages, you know, a couple times a month on a dozen plus units uh, compared to, you know, all the time you're involved with your business. The second thing was the ability of knowing from a mentor told me that, um, you know, to take it to the next level, now you have a system in place. Now you exactly, you know, you know how it works. Um, is now you have to raise money, you know, and that's the next way of doing it. And now that you have a working system, and it's a system that's always evolving. I mean, uh, you know, we purchased and sold our last, uh, last sold our last um, C class property probably a month and a half ago. And it's really just that over the last two, three years, we've really focused our whole portfolio into, you know, B minus and above properties. And um, it's just a more resilient asset class. And I love C class. It's something that I grew up doing and uh, investing in, but it'll be something that I invest in myself. But with investors' money, we've made the decision of just focusing on the B class. There's less volatility, it's easier to manage. Um, we, you know, there's just more control uh, with that type of asset, and there's more predictability. So, as you're, you know, I think it was like you said, the third party management, and then also taking on investors. And when you put that together and you have a, 
kind of a set buy box of what you're doing. This is the class of properties. These are the areas I'm working in. Um, this is what we need really, you know, uh, this is exactly what we are buying and we can sway a little bit over here, but these other ones don't move. And that allows you to really focus in. Yeah. And that's, that's extremely important. Um, one of the things that you are saying in, in your, uh, your bio here, I think is very important. People watch HGTV and say, Oh, boom, I'm now expert. Cause I've seen five episodes and I'm going to get together and raise money. And, you know, it's so crazy how I have people, you know, how many properties you have, you know, well, I don't have any yet, but, you know, can you teach me how to syndicate? And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, um, what is, how important is it to actually do your own projects and self-fund your projects, getting some experience in before you do syndications? Yeah, it's, this is a huge thing. This is one reason, I mean, I do coaching and uh, when I, when I speak to people in our first call, cause I make sure, you know, we speak to them, we, you know, I, I go through them cause I'm doing one-on-one myself with them. And this is the, one of the big things that really is like, listen, I'm probably not the coach for you. If you want to do a property, I'll work with you doing it, but like, we're not gonna, I don't, believe in like raising money before you've actually done something that's profitable. And it doesn't have to be like a major, you know, you don't have to do like, just like, like we said, the house hack, you do something where you have tenants and you know exactly like what an eviction is and you know about dealing with tenants and learning what's going on. You have, and really with the house hacks, what they call like out in Silicon Valley, when I invest in like angel stuff, it's like MVP, right? Your minimal viable product. And that is something that you have something, it works. It's not pretty, right? Which is perfect for a house hack. But like you can go to a bank and be like, or go to anybody and be like, hey, this is what it is. My my mortgage and expenses are twenty four hundred. You know what I mean? I get thirty two hundred dollars in every month. Like this is, you know, we've this is it works, right? Everything works, you know. Yeah. And now that's like okay, perfect. So how do I do this on another scale? And like, how do I go to the next scale? That's a great question you have instead of like when you're going to people because hey, I have no money, I have no credit. I have, I need like three partners and we're going to buy like a three family house. And you're like, oh, and this is just like, this is got written, <laughs> you know, uh, bloodbath written all over it yeah. because it's just go do one with your own money and then partner with someone and you can work on something bigger. If you have another business partner or something like that, that you've worked with, you, maybe you guys go together and buy something. Um, if you had the reserves and then you have to figure out the whole, the whole thing about your time and everything like that, which is a whole separate thing. But it's really, I always tell people do your own deal, whatever it is, get tenants in there figure out exactly how it works and then you know get that thing done once you realize what it is then you're going to guaranteed your plans going to change a little bit from what you're planning on buying because you talk to people too and they have like oh it's some it's something you put eight thousand dollars in the unit or ten thousand dollars i'm like that is a major project man like that's <laughs> yeah. not i mean i go yeah. into something i tell people hey we're going to put forty eight hundred dollars into doing like the kitchen and you're like wow i'm like that's a lot of money that's a that's a lot of upgrade to it but it's like if you've never done a project I mean, that's yeah. contractors. Don't tell me in your first project you're going to pick the perfect contractor that's going to be there. That's not going to that's going to show up every. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And when you buy property and you're going to know, oh yeah, that guy never showed up, and I lost money to the contractor. Well, it's your money you're losing because you paid him too much up front. It's not your investors, and these are the lessons you want to learn so you can tell your investors, hey, look at me, I made all these mistakes, but now I know not what to do. And now they're like, okay, now there's you're you're more likely to succeed with them. And for yourself, yeah, very important lessons, everybody. It's and and also it's like, look, if you want me to give you a hundred thousand dollars, you better have some experience. You know, I, you, no one's going to give you money. Um, most people are not going to give you money unless you can prove that you know what you're doing. Because it's 
it's just not worth it. You know, there, there's just too many people I could, I could invest with Charles instead of, you know, these other people that don't have experience. Um, Charles, where can people find you? We've been talking about your coaching, um, your syndications. What's the best website and uh, all the other social media places that you're on? Yeah, so if uh, our, our main website for our syndications is uh, harborsidepartners.com. So if you go to harborsidepartners.com, uh, you can find all the information on what we do here. Uh, we I have a podcast. I do twice weekly, a strategy episode and then an interview episode. And uh, so you can learn about that, listen to that, the YouTube, and uh, sign up for our mailing list. I do a, I send out a uh, newsletter every Wednesday with links and stories that I've uh, handpicked and that we've put together and we send out to people that interesting stuff that I think about the economy, real estate, commercial real estate, everything about it that other people might find interesting to, it takes you a couple seconds to go through, click on a link if something interests you. And you can do all that at harborsidepartners.com. And I do coaching. It's like, uh, it's a one-on-one thing. It's, and it's, you can find that link on the bottom of Harborside Partners too. And everyone listen to his podcast. You can get a free passive investing guide. You also can join his investor club and learn don't be like me who just went out and bought and then gave everything back because i didn't learn uh, i thought it was easy it's not get with the mentor charles is a mentor and again it's harborsidepartners.com charles carillo thank you so much for coming on the richard podcast thanks for having me on michael thanks for tuning in to the richard geek podcast where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes i appreciate you and thanks for listening